my Dharma talk this morning is going to be based on um, a class that I recently took, and I think uh, a couple other of you have taken it as well. It was the Wise Speech um, Six Weeks course with Oren J. Uh, Sofen, or Sofer, and who's a teacher, a Vipassana teacher. Did you do it too, Monica? You look like you were nodding your head. Oh, well. I did another class with him. Okay. Anyway, so he's a Vipassana teacher uh, or in, with the insight um, meditation tradition in Spirit Rock, and he offered this class through the um, uh, Barry Center <clears throat> in uh, the Barry Center for Buddhist Studies in Barry, Massachusetts. So, um, and I decided to take the class because. Um, particularly now when there are so many things up regarding so many conversations around race and politics that are they're difficult conversations but they're important conversations to have and I for one did not feel very confident about being able to express myself without either contracting on the one side or or um, getting activated on the other so I thought well maybe this course will will kind of help me with that because it goes beyond just um, it, 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 he offers the, the Buddhist teachings on on right speech but also had a lot of practices um, particularly with nonviolent communication that I thought would be really useful so um, today it was a six weeks course so I can't cram it all into one Dharma talk so um, today I just would like to talk about um, things from the first and second class. So it'd be more about uh, the Buddhist, um, what Buddha had to say about wise speech. And then um, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then uh, I'd like to do the, some practices so you guys can, can kind of play with it and, and see, see what you think, um, see how you do with it. So, um, Okay. So the uh, right speech, as you almost well, most of you all know, um, is the third element, uh, if you will, a third step on the um, eightfold path uh, uh, to liberation or enlightenment. And this, the Pali name is Samavaka, and in English, sama means right and baka means speech, so hence right speech. Um, and um, it's generally understood that this idea of right is not so much um, right or wrong, but rather right in terms of whether it causes harm or does it cause suffering. Uh, is it wise or is it unwise? Um, it, it's from our highest nature or not. And so um, those, are the, those are the kind of the ideas we think about when we think of the word right in terms of the, um, uh, the um, Eightfold Path and the right speech and so forth, right intention, all of those. So, um, and then also coming with the idea of non-harming, there's also it brings peace and liberation through speech that is wise and um, non-harmful 
and also it brings in intentions of simplicity and kindness, um, harmlessness, of course, and compassion that uh, is born out of the recognition that everyone suffers. So um, just some background. The Buddha obviously um, understood very well the power of speech. And the power of speech on the one hand can be used to promote creativity and ethics and all sorts of wonderful things. Um, but on the other hand, it can also be used for malicious things. And from some of the worst is uh, manipulation up and even to genocide. So in this sense, like actions and thoughts, speech has a valence, right? It can, be, can lead to karmic effects or it can lead to merit, I presume, uh, defending, depending on the intent of the speaker. So right speech can lead to awakening in the individual, in a group, or a collective when it's rooted in the understanding of the structure of reality that everything is co-arising um, with everything else. And, and we can kind of see that, that communication is co-created. Our language is inherited, for example, but we put our particular brand on it, but it's not just ours. It's we we're born into a place that speaks a language or a couple of languages. Um, and uh, our thoughts, our thoughts are not entirely ours either. They're strongly affected by uh, social, our social and, and cultural surroundings. Um, but every person has these characteristics of having speech and thought that, is, that comes from other places, but also that we're, we use to express ourselves. And so every person affects others around them as a, as a dynamic co-creator. So we're all creating something when we speak. So um, presumably we want to create good things. <laughs> not bad things. So, so the Buddha has some uh, guidelines for that. And so he defines right speech um, is this abstinence. He looks at it from the negatives. A lot of the Buddhist stuff you look at it, but, but something isn't is how it's defined. So in this case, um, right speech is the abstinence from false speech. So what is false speech? Well, clearly, it's bald-faced lies. <laughs> that's, that's false speech. That's extreme. And it's not, uh, it's uh, refraining from lying for the sake of um, the advantage for one's own self and for others, for others as well. And also for some trifling worldly thing, worldly end. Half-truths are included in, in this too. And slight exaggerations might be included in this. Now we're getting a little bit dicey for me. Um, the last one is humorous untruths. Yikes, I never heard that one before. Doesn't everybody embellish a story <laughs> for humorous effects? I don't know. Anyway, so that was included in this list. So um, beyond uh, false speech is divisive speech. And as the name indicates, it's pitting people against each other. 
And we see a lot of that right about now. We see that in our political spheres. Buddha is not, is not in favor of that. Um, the, the third aspect of right speech is malicious and harsh speech. Malicious, obviously, has the intent of harming others and includes judging and blaming. Harsh speech, on the other hand, is rough or hard speech that's hurtful to others or offensive, um, bordering on anger when you talk to somebody, and it's not particularly conducive to concentration. And the fourth uh, kind of speech that we should abstain from, according to the Buddha, is idle and useless speech. And uh, gossipy is, gossiping is included in that, which is, um, and we can understand why it causes a lot of trouble, but it's also a lot of times, I know when working in an office, it's the glue. <laughs> Unfortunately, people gossip a lot to form alliances, I guess. But this kind of speech is it's not, it's not a positive thing, of course. And, and, um, and then there's useless speech, which it, where one is just kind of talking for the sake of talking and wasting words and not using words purposefully. Or, and I've heard a statement um, about that, how um, if you can't improve on silence, just don't say anything which is um, maybe kind of harsh, but I think that there's something to be said for that. So um, in terms of gossiping, one way that sometimes people think things are true and then they pass them along, and, and I think that that's where this problem comes in. And so one way to safeguard the truth, actually, is by saying, this is my conviction, or this is how I think it is, I'm not sure, um, but to say it's the truth is, is not, not exactly right. So, um, and that's the problem with gossip. It's often not based in fact. So uh, there's the four criteria for wise speech. This is, again, according to the Buddhist teachings. And to, it's, to, it's the opposite. How do we cultivate speech that is truthful? And, and, and why is that? Why is that so important? Well, um, because if you're in relationship, there, there, there isn't a relationship if there's no truth. You know, if there's a problem with truth, there's um, serious problems with the relationship. So um, another criteria is that speech be health, helpful rather than divisive. So do we know when we're speaking? Do we know why we're speaking? This stuff is, is really crazy when you think about it because um, I, I guess it's probably a bad habit of mine. Sometimes I just say things and I, I'm not even thinking about necessarily what I'm talking about. I mean, <laughs> I'm just in conversation with somebody and I'm just thinking about it. So anyway, this is interesting. Um, so are we speaking out of habit? That's another... You know, is that what's going on? And if we become aware, we can ask, you know, that, oh, maybe I'm doing that. Um, well, what I'm saying actually contribute. It seems like speech comes out so fast, how do you know you, you're not even aware of it? Or at least that's my experience. 
comes out so fast, and it's like, whoops. Um, anyway, so, uh, and uh, speech should be, we should aim for kind speech, the gentle, gentle speech, one that um, offers goodwill versus malicious speech, for example. So um, when one is speaking or about to speak, the question that one might ask is, where am I coming from at this moment? Is this from a kind place or, you know, or am I a little peeved here and that's, it's come out? Um, so it's just a, a question to ask, is it from kindness? And if we actually are aware of our purpose and are showing kindness and goodwill, it can be transformative. We can have a great, a really positive impact on others. Uh, the fourth criteria is being timely, that is context sensitive. So in questions that, again, that one might ask oneself is, is it the right time and place to say something? For example, if you're going to ask somebody a person, very, very personal question, you wouldn't probably want to do it in a crowd of um, co-workers or, you know, in a, in a public place. Um, you would probably want to pull the person aside, so it's things like that. In terms of context, um, the things to consider, context and social dimension, where you consider power, uh, differentials, gender, and, and race. And it's important, and that's particularly what's up these days, is attending to those dif differentials and, and honoring them. So uh, well-spoken sp speech can um, lead to an awakening. As harmful speech um, can lead to perhaps obsessive thinking, and um, and when that happens, we wonder what qualities are we reinforcing or strengthening when we're caught in our, our negative thinking. So we can change our thoughts when we're aware of it, become aware of it, to more beneficial qualities. So, for example, you may be your self-talk may be ah, oh, I really goofed up on this. Oh, what a, what a, what an idiot. And so you, you know, and so you're just reinforcing that kind of um, self-talk. And as I say, if one is aware of it, they can turn that and, and say, well, you know, encourage oneself. We can do better next time. Oops, you know. <laughs> and go on. <clears throat> so, um, uh, in terms of practicing right speech, um, we can use other, um, other I'm going to call them elements, I guess, of the Eightfold Path. And um, for example, right view. Right view can, can be used for discernment, for discerning um, right from, is it harmful speech or is it actually in the category of right speech? So, you know, is it divisive, is it abusive? Is it idle chatter or is it lying? Um, one can use right effort. So you can, uh, so in, in using right effort, attempt to enter into right speech, attempt to, to change how we, how we speak. And then right, mindfulness, too, can be used to abandon harm, harmful speech and to enter and actually remain in right speech, so change a pattern. So um, abstaining from, from these, uh, we, 
we can abstain from certain behaviors, as I mentioned earlier, uh, divisive speech, false speech, et cetera. And, but what can, we can do other things as well. That is to say, um, if we want to be truthful, um, work on truthful speech, we can abandon the malicious speech that divides people and instead um, use speech that actually go the other direction to use speech to actually unite people, not just abstain from something, but go the other direction to unite people who were divided or to promote um, friendship or to enjoy concord or accord and speaking words that promote concord. <clears throat> In terms of uh, divisive speech or harsh speech, we can abandon those but then go the other direction. We can speak words that are gentle and pleasing to the ear um, go straight to the heart. We can be courteous and, and agreeable just in general to other people. In terms of the idle chatter, okay, we abandon gossip and idle chatter. And then um, we pay attention and actually speak at the right time. Speak fact instead of just thought or observation, but you're not really sure. You can speak on what is good instead of the negative. Or speaking words that are worth recording, um, that are reasonable, moderate, and beneficial. And speak generally in a way that the, your verbal conduct, con, con, uh, conduct is in accordance with the Dharma, in fact. So um, there's a quote uh, that was contained in some of, these, uh, some of the readings that we had on right speech that, and this kind of relates to what I just said, abstaining for, for, from speech is not an end in itself. If you want to cultivate freedom um, with the Eightfold Path, it can be useful to investigate the inner conditions that motivate such speech. So if we settle deeply in our hearts, for example, before we speak, what would we say? Would we be saying something different? And does our speech express goodwill, friendliness, or compassion? So the first, I mean, is that, is that true when, when we've been talking? We just observe. And if it's not, then why isn't it? What's going on there? So this can be information for our practice. It's not intended as a way to beat ourselves up. That's not the intention whatsoever but rather just to, to be more aware and as it's a way to support our practice. Because if our inner life is well cared for, it's much easier to speak wisely. So um, the, one of the main tools, of course, when uh, working with right speech is using mindfulness when speaking and listening. And mindfulness is the doorway to right speech. And we, we can't really make changes in our communication unless we um, are aware. So awareness is like in everything else is the first step. So um, in general, what we can do is pay attention um, to the information that our body gives us. The body is constantly putting out messages if we but pay attention to it. So. Um, when we're listening or when we're speaking, how does the body feel? 
what sensations are present. We can tune into that. We can notice what, what we say and how consciously did we choose the words. Um, we can notice our feelings, what emotions are present. That's a, that's a good one. Um, we can notice our intentions and what is motivating us to speak. And that leads to the next section, the foundations of mindful communication. Um, so, these are real important. Um, the eff effective communication requires presence. Um, so to have clarity and connection in our dialogues and relationships, we actually need to be there. <laughs> That's kind of a no-brainer. But um, I, I, I know that, in, in particularly with people you know well, um, if you're hanging out with them a lot and stuff, you, you may start doing the dishes or, you know. <laughs> while you're talking and then you know you just kind of zone out a little bit so it's I think it's that that kind of stuff um, so if you're not present you, you're not going to have much access to the tools that, that you know you've learned or your good intentions you're not really on top of it so um, the practice is to lead with presence and what that means is to start uh, all interactions and return to embodied presence. And so it's like a constant um, checking back in to make, am I present here? Am I present? You know, paying attention to that. And actually be there. Because if you're not present, we, you're not going to have, as I said, much access to other things, your good intentions and so forth. So, um, so keep it. And the suggestion is, is that put down everything else, your projects, your thoughts, and so forth, and, and really pay attention, give your full attention to whomever you're speaking. And, and at the same time, have some awareness in your body and, and trust presence as a source of your stability, um, empathy, mutuality, and information. So if you feel your body, its weight and heaviness, or just, just slightly just check in. Feel your hands or your feet, or just check in to see if you're if you're present. Notice if you're um, notice your choice to speak or listen, and then pause or slow down. Uh, sometimes we can speak quickly, and so we're not really paying attention. So if you slow down, you're more readily able. So the second thing, so the first thing is presence. The second thing is intention and intention determines the direction of the conversation intention is the motivation for the communication it's actually intention is is where we're coming from as i mentioned before how important where we're coming from uh, it's why we speak and and listen it's the motivation for our communication and it's what drives it so, so many times uh, our interactions are directed by our impulses. Our impulses to get what we want, to make a point, to be heard, to be seen in a certain way. And yet the foundation for productive dialogue and skillful negotiation is the quality of connection and understanding we create. 
So I'm going to read that again because that's a really important point. As the foundation for productive dialogue and skillful negotiation is the quality of the connection and understanding we create. So that understanding is a real important thing instead of us trying to put our point in. It's, you know, gaining the understanding. So in order to practice that, it's joining the conversation with curiosity and care. And specifically, um, the intention to understand is perhaps the most powerful and transformative ingredient in relationship and communication. So if we let go a little of the outcome, we can see what happens when we have sincere interest in understanding another's experience. I'm pretty sure it will change the quality of the conversation. And we can cultivate and return to the simple yet powerful intention to understand. Cultivate and return to the simple yet powerful intention to understand. So the third part of the, um, the foundation of communication here is attention. So we have presence, intention, and then attention. And the attention shares, um, shapes the experience. So where we place our attention shapes what we experience. So if we're focusing on the faults of another person, for example, we fail to see them as a whole person. Um, we tend, most of us, tend to focus on primarily on the storyline, the content of the situation, or on judgments. But learning how to skillfully attend to the essential aspects of the message can transform a dialogue. So the first component of this training is identifying what matters. What is at stake here? What's kind of behind all the storyline? So the practice with this is the focusing on what matters. So and in listening for what matters in yourself and uh, others. And you can ask yourself uh, inwardly, what matters most about this conversation or this statement? And that kind of inquiry helps us get get beyond, beyond the storyline <clears throat> and just surface positions to underlying values and needs in a situation. And that's going to create more room for understanding, collaboration, and creative problem solving. Um, if you have an example, if you have someone that's really oriented towards, um, if you're doing a project, towards form, you know, making things look nice and on the page and so forth. And somebody else is really into the content. The content is what is important. And, and you can understand both sides, right? But if there's understanding between the two and how can we collaborate to have both work, you know, for both of us. And then you have an overall good product. So, um, in observations in, in uh, dealing with um, attention is observation. So you're looking at what happened. If you're working with another person, what happened? Without interpretation, without, so that's how you keep away from the storyline. Um, your feelings, how do you feel about it? On the inside, without any blame, without it 
putting blame anywhere. How do you feel about it? And what are the needs? What matters? The deeper values or shared goals and objective between you and the other person. And finally, requests. What would you like to see, see happen next? How can you move forward? And for connection, for example, um, we're asking for empathy, for reflection, or for information. It's something really concrete. And for solutions, we can come up with practical agreements that might meet all of the needs present. So we can integrate these principles it, and it takes time and dedication and persistence. Um, just starting with the awareness <laughs> is, um, is something, but it's worthy. It can really change things if one's patient. It can make profound changes in one's life and relationships and in inner experience. So um, I would like to do, if you're willing, to do a practice uh, exercise um, and the idea is what we're trying to accomplish is have more choice and flexibility in our conversations and be able to draw on our wisdom because we all have it we all have our inner wisdom and sometimes we just miss it um, and so we want to be able to, to draw on our wisdom and also our wholesome intentions. I think most people want to do that. They just get going and zoop, <laughs> we missed it. But it all depends on, on being present, more present. So for this exercise, um, each person will practice, we're going to get into little groups, and we'll practice uh, speaking and listening with presence. And one person will be the speaker. Um, Anne, how many people are there? Um, we have t 23 people. Okay. How many, how many people would you like in a room? Well, I was thinking th uh, three people. Okay, we can do that. Um, yeah, three people. And it'll be for, I don't want to bop us out yet. I want to, I've got to explain all the instructions, but... Um, I was thinking for three people, 25 minutes should be enough time. Um, okay, so, uh, so the speaker um, is going to be uh, um, speaking. Before, when you first get together, you need to decide who's going to go first in the group. And then um, the person uh, will have one person speaking, obviously, and two listening. And that'll be for four minutes. And so before you start, you take a few, all three of you will take a few minutes just to kind of settle in and, and get present, okay? Um, and you can close your eyes or take a deep breath or do whatever helps to make you feel more present. Just, um, another thing, you can find the weight in your body or see where your feet touch the ground or whatever, however you're sitting. So anyway, just get in the state of presence and um, so the job of the listeners is to listen silently with your full attention, no crosstalk. Uh, notice how it feels just to listen without commenting, asking questions, responding verbally, and don't try to fix anything or solve anything. And then see if you can, while you're listening, um, keep a small amount of awareness on your, with your body. 
So, um, so you're sensing your hands maybe or just your overall sense of being here or being there. Um, so that's the listeners. The speakers, uh, before you begin speaking, set a clear intention in your mind to take your time and speak with awareness. Uh, so you probably want to slow it down. Um, so uh, consider this as an, an experiment. Uh, the goal is not to share. You're going to be talking about um, how you're doing right now. And, but that's, that's not what the focus is. The focus is talking about that, but uh, practice staying aware as you speak. And when you're ready, um, you speak for four minutes about how you're how you're doing generally and um so what you want to be what you want to figure out is how, uh, can you feel your body at all as you speak just note that um can you, do you note your hands your feet your heart and uh, does it help you to stay present to slow down a little or to pause so those are things to keep in mind while you're speaking. So, uh, so then the speaker goes four minutes and then um, what I would suggest is if you can have paper and pen close by, um, after that person goes, just jot down a few notes of what you noted listeners um, to your own experience um, uh, with the listening with the other person and also your, the awareness of, of, uh, of your own, the awareness of your own awareness, <laughs> of your presence as your, um, you know, of your own body, awareness of your own body, of your presence there. Is that clear? Yes? Okay. Um, so then you'll trade off and so all three people will, will have an opportunity to speak and to listen twice. Um, so just write down after each person, just quickly write down whatever you noted, and then, um, then you'll switch, 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 uh, and then, then you'll all have uh, about five or six minutes or so to discuss what you noticed. And then um, how was it to speak and try to stay present, and how was it just to listen with presence, and what was challenging, easy, or surprising? So that's that's the practice. So, Lori, at at the end of um, your talk, you talk about underlying values, and then I think you said three things: uh, empathy. Oh, and, and I didn't get the other two. If there were three, yeah. Um, well, there was. It was talking about requests. Is that it? There was empathy, reflection, or information. When you're when you're looking okay. for connection, it's uh, yeah. So I guess it's when you're looking for connection. What you're doing is you're either asking for empathy or for reflection or for information. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if everybody's cool with that, then ready to roll. We can. Do it. Back, everyone. Um, so I'm curious, is there anyone that would like to talk about their experience, how that was? If, 
how did you do on being able to, with your awareness of, of self while listening or awareness while talking? Sandra. You know, I just thank you so much because I really was, for me, it was just very, I discovered something very important for me. Ah. How important is, uh, you know, I work a lot with the body, but speaking and just be attentive with the body, it was just a turn out for me. Yeah. It really is more like my body is just telling me how I feel if I can just speak through that instead of just go with my mind that is all my conditions, my habits and all that. And, and yes, I, I, I noticed that big feeling sensation to be connected with the body when I'm talking. So I, I noticed that how important. That's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. I, um, yeah, I, uh, I, as I know, for me, it can be really difficult. I know I can do it when I pay attention to it, but um, so many times I'm not paying attention to it and I'm just totally unaware and it, it makes such a huge a difference. Yeah, I hope I will remember. I'll remind you next yes. time I talk Thank to you. you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Sandra. Anybody else have any comment? Anything they might want to share? Share. Uh, I will say that I was uh, glad to see other people wiping their eyes, um, that uh, it was a very intimate um, time for we three. And I think part of it is that we were working so to be in our body and um, therefore uh, facades were dropped and um, just a, such a feeling of connection. Wonderful, I'm so glad to hear that. It's so important right now. Even over the screen, you know? Even over the screen, that's the miracle of it, you know? It's really surprising to me, but it, yeah. it does work. Darcy, thank you, Jane, Joan. And there, I unmuted myself. Um, kind of, it, I, I was so grateful for that. It, it's turning into our bodies. It seemed to create this connection and um, uh, Rosemarie started to talk and it was sort of, and then she dropped into this very tender place. And what I had, was noticing in my body, cause I was having some trouble with blah, blah, and it was creating this knot in my stomach. It's like, wow, she just gave me this gift of vulnerability that made this knot start releasing. It was amazing. So, yeah, we had a, we had a very intimate little conversation um, also, and it was very beneficial. Wonderful. I'm so glad to hear it. <laughs> I just thought it was, um, I really appreciated just almost having that space to uh, permission almost really, even though the permission's already there. It, it felt like having the permission to talk from a real, a real sort of state of presence and to be able to really connect to myself 
and to connect to other at the same time and uh, it was it was like communicating without hindrance mm. like really being able to just have a different level of honesty about where i'm at right in that present moment and to be able to feel each step of the way and, and communicate in in each moment exactly where i am in that moment and that creating a deeper level of of connection both ways for me it felt felt really deep and connecting and and the listening it, it just felt really good to just really stop and to just really listen fully with every aspect of myself to that person and to really appreciate that person and what they were offering i found it a really beautiful experience i really enjoyed it so thank you thank you maria i appreciate that yeah you know the crazy thing is is um it's always available it i don't know if we feel comfortable if the other people feel comfortable i guess there's a caveat there but uh, that it's always available it's not like some spe something special it is special but it's not special um, it's there and we can do that it's just an amazing thing to realize the drop of a hat you can have a wonderful, lovely connection with people. Oh, I just had another thought about that, um, you know, having Darcy's re referred to the body. Um, I was thinking that we actually do this, I think, I think it's a human, I think most people that I know, if I'm gonna go meet a friend I have my in my purse all my preparation, my articles, whatever that consists of, to be ready, like mm -hmm. a wallet to pay for lunch or whatever. And I last check the mirror to make sure my glasses are not crooked. <laughs> uh, I before I leave the house, I stand in a full length mirror and check that I, my blouse is not tucked in the wrong place. So I think that we do things, I guess I would just like for us to maybe contemplate on that part that we do things automatically, mm -hmm. but not thinking about it in this fashion. So sometimes just owning mm -hmm. that we own, like you said, we do this a lot. So you feel the bit pit of your stomach. This one in my group, I referred to that. I don't know. The longer I practice, when I want to say something, I just I don't have to look for it. It goes to the pit of my stomach. Mm. What I'm going to say next, mm -hmm. a lot, not all the time, but so I think we do this. So I think kind of noticing how we do it. It's not like we have to start from scratch. Thank yeah. you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Olivia. Monica. Um, yes, I just wanted to recommend um, his book, his newer, it's about a year and a half old, two years. So it's Oren J. Sofer, S-O-F-E-R, and it's called Say What You Mean, and it's on all on communication, um, things you talked about, Lori, and exercises in it. Um, anyway, I highly recommend that book. Um, 
I have a copy of that book. You know, maybe, I don't know if any, anybody else would be interested. It'd be nice to get a group together and, and work through the practice. You need to have buddies to do it. So maybe we can think about doing that if somebody's interested. He's also starting a 12-week course where he goes through the book. It starts in September. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I did his first class when he did that. That's um, when I got the book. Yeah, I highly, I recommend it. Yeah. Good to hear. Okay. Um, well, I guess we should, oh, it's 11.06. Um, so we should cut this, stop this, and um, let me go back to the other over there, and we'll do our chants and finish up. <laughs>